Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Making Sense of Islam podcast. A few housekeeping points before we begin. Every episode is accompanied by episode notes that highlight everything I've referenced. So people, verses, hadith, etc. They're all in the episode notes, which you can find at makingsenseofislam.com. Most of the episodes are short form, so the notes are few. But when you listen to longer form episodes, the notes are meant to be a resource and an aid. Number two. I would really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast on whatever platform you use and leave a comment, hopefully positive. And number three, every Friday I send out a short email called Coexist Ruminations that shares what I'm working on and reading in my four focus areas. If you'd like to receive these, please sign up by going to makingsenseofislam.com forward slash Friday. That's it for now. Enjoy the show. I love holidays, celebrations, and important calendar events. And this love has grown over the years to the point that these special events are a major part of my year. Now, I've tried to pull together various literature, hadith, du'ats, etc. regarding all of these special days. So this Islamic year, and at the time of this recording, I'm referencing the year 1440, I will do my best to compile these notes and suggestions per event and upload an episode that can be used as a reference guide. So I pray for infinite blessings and happiness for all of these events for all of you. Take care. So Happy New Year's, everyone. This episode, of course, is dedicated to the beginning of the Islamic year, uh, which is the first day of the first month, which is Muharram. So Happy New Year. And even though I'm recording this uh, for the year 1440, the Islamic year of 1440, of course, uh, this hopefully will be useful um, every year with these suggestions and some thoughts and reflections on what the new year means for us, you know, from a religious, spiritual point of view. So let me begin with some, some history, some context. One of the challenges that the Prophet had, peace be upon him, is, or was rather, to reestablish the correct order of the year. Now, what do I mean by that? Now, the months that we call Islamic months, lunar months, Arabic months, you know, all of those are used, uh, beginning with Muharram, etc. Those months were also recognized and used by the Jahili Arabs. So before the advent of Islam, those were what, you know, the Arab tribes used those months. And like in Islam, how four of the months are considered sacred. We'll get to that in a second. Also, the Jahili Arabs consider the same four months sacred as well. And most likely... Uh, this is a remnant from the teachings of uh, Ismail salam, and Abraham, etc., you know, from, from previous uh, revelation. In any case, but the sacred months, they have certain rules around them. Uh, you know, it's a time for reflection. It's a time where you're not going to engage in conflict and things like that. And the, Arab, the, the pre-Islamic Arabs, they didn't like those restrictions. So they oftentimes would add extra days and extra months uh, to avoid a certain conflict falling in the sacred month, you know, playing with the calendar. And the Qur'an references this, and it's called a nasi, uh, this, this habit of adding months and, and days and things like that. And in the Islamic ethical paradigm, it's considered a major sin, you know, to mess up with, with, the, with the calendar and things like that. So one of the challenges uh, that the Prophet had, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, was, okay, I need to reestablish that this month is actually, you know, Muharram, and then this month is uh, Safar, etc., uh, properly. And this happened towards the end of the prophetic mission uh, with the Hajj. One of the things that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned uh, when he was at the Hajj is now that the calendar is, is set uh, correctly. 
So this was always a challenge uh, for him at that time is establishing, not necessarily a challenge, but one of his goals of the prophetic mission was to make people understand that you can't fool around with the calendar and certain months fall in certain times. And of course, within the, um, uh, the Sharia of Islam, the way we establish the beginning of the month is with the sighting of the new moon. Uh, that's a huge uh, topic for definitely another episode uh, in the future. In any case, so once the, you know, once the calendar was established, corrected, uh, it was understood that Muharram was always the first month in any case. But sometimes the Muharram month wouldn't fall when it was supposed to fall. That, that's what I'm trying to get at. So it was established. Uh, and the months, the sacred months are the, the last two months, Dhul Qa'dah and Dhul Hijjah, the 11th, the 12th month. And then the first month of the year, Muharram. And then Rajab is all by itself. That's why usually it's referred to as Rajab al-Fard. And when the time is you know, upon us, we can talk about, about that month. So the beginning of the year falls right after the conclusion of the Hajj. So the Hajjis have returned. And the Hajj is, you know, the, as the culminating major act of the community every year. Uh, it makes sense that after everyone disperses from, you know, Mecca and Medina and returns home, sort of re reinvigorated, you know, recommitted, uh, you know, and I'm sure in everyone's community listening, you you have somebody in the family or friends or your com larger community that's returned from Hajj. It's a very a big celebratory thing. And it's now time to start, you know, the new year. And that's sort of one of the the ways to think about why the, the first month is is Muharram. But there's another issue with the new year for us, which is, what is the first year? In other words, okay, we recognize that Muharram is the first month, but what then is year one, year two, year three, etc.? And this is something that the Prophet, peace be upon him himself, did not necessarily establish. But rather, this came after uh, the passing of the Prophet, peace be upon him, during the Khilafah of uh, Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu, Umar ibn al-Khattab, and he used his ijtihad, you know, his, his legal reasoning, to determine that the event of the hijrah, you know, the migration of the Prophet, peace be upon him, from Mecca to Medina, that would be the event that would mark year one of the Islamic calendar, which is why when we write the calendar year, for example, we'll say 1440 AH, after hijrah. That's what, what the AH, if anyone was wondering what that means. And in this... There's, there are, this is really where the, the lessons are. You know, why did the community and Sayyidina Omar radiallahu anhu and, and the rest of the community acknowledge and celebrate this huge event of the Prophet's life as the beginning of the Islamic calendar? Now, before we, we delve into that, somebody could ask, well, why didn't the Prophet himself, you know, peace be upon him, establish that this is year one? You know, aren't we supposed to only follow what he did? And he said, you know, why are we following what Sayyidina Umar said, etc.? And this is a good reminder that there's a, a hadith that's narrated by Abu Dawood and others. Uh, and let me just read just part of it in Arabic and, and I'll translate, them, uh, translate the words. Uh, so the Prophet, peace be upon him, he says in the middle of this lengthier text, فَعَلَيْكُمْ بِسُنَّتِي and there's other, you know, variances of it. But basically, the Prophet, peace be upon him, he says, as is narrated in this text by Abu Dawood, follow my way, my sunnah, and also the sunnah of the guided leaders, the khulafa, the guided khalifas after me. Hold on to them with your wisdom teeth. And this is one of the prophetic expressions, you know, if you bite something, 
like with your wisdom teeth, it's all the way back. You know, you're, that means you're biting onto it. You're never going to let go. Uh, that's, you know, you have, you have hold of it. So the Prophet in this text, peace be upon him, he informed us that there's, there's his sunnah, which is the sunnah of, of course, revelation. That's what we believe. But there's also the sunnah of the companions. In, in other words, when the companions come together and they engage in something and they do it, we are to follow it. It's not necessarily revelation as such, but it's informed and guided by the, the way of the Prophet, peace be upon him, because this is the generation uh, that the Prophet lived with and taught you know, face-to-face, etc. So this is why we accept, of course, the ijtihad of Sayyidina Umar and, and all of that, and the other khalifas and the other sahaba. And for Sunni Muslims, the New Year is also a celebration of this fact, that one of the uh, wordings that we use to describe the Sunni community is we say, Ahla Sunnah wal Jama'ah, you know, the people that follow the Sunnah and the community. So one of the communities, many communities that we have, is the communities of the companions in which we all love and respect, even though we acknowledge they had different capacities and different understandings and different uh, independent uh, approaches to understanding uh, the revelation and the sunnah of the Prophet, peace be upon him. So for us, it's just a small reminder. And this has nothing to do, I'm not in any way, shape or form, trying to uh, poke uh, at my Shia brothers and sisters. It has nothing to do with that. I'm just a reminder uh, that this is one of the things that we celebrate and, and we honor and we respect. And I think that when we come to other events in which there are certain differences between the Sunnis and the Shias, I want to also uh, do justice as best as I can and, and, and comment on that. But anyway, getting back to the, to New Year's. So, Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu, he saw this as an opportunity to celebrate the establishment of the greater Muslim community. Now, there was a Muslim community in Mecca, for, without doubt, but it was a persecuted community. And, and the Muslims at that time were very disenfranchised. Uh, and when you read really the stories of what the Prophet, peace be upon him, had to put up with in Mecca and his companions, it's, it's very, it hurts you know, to, to, to think that someone that we love so much had to go through that, you know, to have trash thrown on him, to be publicly insulted. Um, his companions, many of them were killed, tortured. I mean, they're very, very hard to, to even say these things. You, you feel really bad. But to see how gracefully the Prophet, peace be upon him, persevered with patience uh, and love and, and humility and, 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 and turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in, in that, in the most beautiful way. It's a really big lesson for us in patience. But then when he migrates, you know, and, and, and leaves uh, with Sayyidina Abu Bakr in this, radiallahu anhu, on this, you know, fantastic journey of the hijrah, and he enters into Medina, now there's, there's a real uh, established community. And it's a plural community. You know, the community in Medina was not all Muslim. In the beginning, the Muslims were a minority. And there were around 19 to 20 Jewish tribes in Medina. It's a sizable, you know, community. There were actually pagans still in Medina. And maybe a few Christians, you know, coming and going. But the Muslims themselves, they were a minority. So here the Prophet, peace be upon him, he comes and he establishes, you know, we kind of look at that as like the ideal you know, community from a historic and moral, moral point of view. And we draw so many lessons. And the first thing that he does is he establishes where the mosque is going to be built. And from that time really till our time, for practicing Muslims, the mosque is a central, hopefully is a central part of our life. It's where we pray. And when we have like our marriages, we get married there. Certainly when somebody passes, unfortunately, you know, that's where we, we pray for the, the final funeral prayer. And and um, our children learn Qur'an there. And, and hopefully it's, it's a positive experience. Now I know, Many of our mosques in the West are 
not the most positive experiences for all of us, my, myself included, and that's not really what I, what I want to talk about. But you, you get my point, which is that the mosque is a central part of the spiritual life of a practicing Muslim. And then the second thing the Prophet did, peace be upon him, is he created this brotherhood program, you know, to bring the muhajirun, the, 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 the refugees from Mecca, you know, himself included, with the new Medanese Muslims, the Ansar from the Aus and the Khazraj, the, the two main uh, tribes there at the time. And he reconciled those differences and he, and, he, and he melted away the potential tension that could happen when, when, the, when the Meccans left and entered Medina you know, with nothing, with just the, sort of the, the clothes on their back and whatever they could carry. So it's all about community, brotherhood, sisterhood, a community, the importance of being one community. Throughout the Qur'an, this is a, uh, a phrase that Allah Ta'ala uses, that we are one ummah, you know, one community. The Prophet, peace be upon him, in another hadith, he says, whoever is not concerned with the affairs of the Muslims is not from them. So just being concerned, even if there's not necessarily anything you can do, but just hearing that somebody out there in the name of our faith is persecuted or hurt or, or harmed, you feel bad. You feel bad, you ask Allah, you know, help them. Um, if there's something I can do, you know, if we can send food or aid or whatever the case may be, you're part of that global community. And this New Year's event is a reminder for us, you know, is a reminder of the fact that we're not alone. We, we occupy much more than this, just this little space that's us, that's me. We are part of a family. We are part of a neighborhood. We are part of a uh, local community. We're part of a national community. We're also part of an international community. And it gets us thinking, you know, what are my obligations then to my brothers and my sisters? And then you start thinking, well, why should it stop there? You know, what are my obligations to my neighbors, even if they're not Muslim? What are my obligations to my country, uh, even if you are in, you know, a, a minority uh, community in a country? What are my obligations worldwide? So you start thinking outside of just yourself. Uh, and all of this from this event of, well, when the Prophet, peace be upon him, established the nation state at that time. I mean, that's our word, but we look back and we, we refer to it as that. That's really the beginning of Islam. And that's what we celebrate, one of the things uh, that we celebrate. And the power of community to heal one another, uh, to, to affect real change, positive change. And, you know, people that are alone uh, are, are people that have a lot of problems. They have a lot of depression, anxiety. Um, they give up hope. Uh, some studies even say that they have uh, shorter lifespans, you know, so there are a lot of benefits of being a community. There's also a lot of challenges. And for us, that's something to also reflect on. So this is a little bit about this, you know, New Year's event. And um, I want to wrap up that this portion of the discussion before I get into some recommendations with this really important reminder that there's this great hadith in, in Bukhari uh, called the Hadith of the Boat. And some of these hadiths are just, they have like a, it's not called that in the books of hadith, but we refer to it as that. And you know, the Prophet, peace be upon him, he talks about the example of people that are trying to do good and uh, versus the people that fall into, you know, not good. He says is the example of a boat. You know, there's a boat and has two decks. There's the upper deck and the lower deck. The people on the lower deck, they say to themselves, okay, well, we don't want to bother the people on top every time we want water. So we'll just drill a small hole in the boat, in the hull of the boat, and we'll draw water that way. So in this hadith, the Prophet, peace be upon him, is saying, well, this is what a community is like. And there are three um, archetypes in this hadith. There's the first 
is the people on the bottom. They have a good intention, but they're ill-informed. So their intention is not to harm the people on the top. That's a good thing, not to harm other people. But, you know, grossly in the wrong by assuming that they can, you know, puncture the hull of the boat and everything will be okay. I.e., the Prophet Sassam is trying to tell us the boat will end up sinking. You know, if the people on the top don't stop the people on the bottom, he said, then the boat, all of them will sink. So that's one type of person is a person that uh, has a good intention but doesn't know. The second type are people that know but are silent. So the people on the top, they, they can, if they understand what's happening on the bottom, they can either take action or not action. So if you don't take action, the, the boat sinks. And then there are people that, you know, hear what's going on, see what's going on and take action and they save everybody else. And obviously the Prophet, peace be upon him, is trying to tell us we want to be like the people, the latter group of people. And this is some of the things that we can think about, uh, about community. You know, when we're in a community, uh, we want to help each other. We want to improve each other. But what we have to understand is the community is, is our boat. If the community sinks or a part of the community sinks, eventually it's going to bring the whole boat down. So we don't want to ignore when there are challenges, when there are problems, when there are people in need, when there are people that are hurting, when there are people that are hungry, etc. And when you think about this hadith, it's not just Muslims, it's not just a Muslim community, but it's the fact that we are part of many communities at the same time, and we don't want any of these communities to sink. So New Year's, for us, one way to think about it is renewing your sense of, of belonging to a, many communities and understanding your obligations of being part of these many communities, whether it's the family, community, neighborhood, etc. Now, as far as uh, like devotional recommendations, there's no, you know, hard and fast, you know, sunnah uh, dua to say, but there are many, many of the ulama of the past, they have compiled many prayers that can be said on the last day of the year, you know, the evening, so it's like the last day of the year, the last thing you do of the year is this dua, and then also at the same time, simultaneously, the first thing you do for the next day, which is New Year's Eve, or the next day being New Year's, would be this du'a. So those du'a, if you find them, they're great. You, you, they're easily accessible online. And the sum total of these du'a is, you know, Allah, forg forgive me for all the stuff I did this last year that was wrong. Help me uh, in this coming year, you know, conquer myself, make it a good year for myself, for my family. And the idea is to approach the beginning of the year with this idea, just like the hajjis come back with the slate clean, we want to end the year and start the new year with our slate clean with God. That's that's essentially what these du'as are about. Which is why, if you can't find them, or you can't read them, or access them, it's just it's really about making istighfar, making a sincere tawbah, sincere repentance, uh, for everything that we've, we're, we're all, we all fall short, all of us. No, no one is, is out of it. The Prophet, peace be upon him, said, Kul ibn Adam khatta. All human beings make mistakes. And the best of those that make mistakes are those that constantly turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in repentance. So if you can't find them or you know, you're, you're hearing this and you're like, well, what is he talking about? Just sit down New Year's Eve, reflect a little bit about community and what it means to you and and ask forgiveness for everything that you, you we fell short on the previous year and ask for reinforcement for the coming year that it be a good year and inshallah you know god is most generous most merciful and and we, we're very confident that he will ask uh, that he will answer our asks inshallah some personal recommendations that I have. So those were devotional recommendations. Some personal, re and this is just for me, personal recommendations is 
Uh, I keep a couple of different sets of journals throughout the year. And this is a good time to revisit those journals. And those journals help me remember what worked, what didn't work, what were some of the high points, what were some of the low points of the year. And I'm not a real big resolution person, so I don't call them New Year's resolution, but I definitely want to plan for the year ahead from a devotional, sort of spiritual, religious point of view. What are some of the goals that I have? And try to come up with at least for the first, you know, three to six months plan and actually, you know, schedule them. So one of the things is in the beginning of the year, I always make a commitment to to celebrate and honor the special events. And that's why this series on this podcast is dedicated to that. It's another way of me for myself, for very selfish reasons. I want to remember these events, revive them, hold to them, you know, have my children celebrate in them and those those around me. So I and that requires scheduling because we're following two calendars at the same time. I want to know when the next event happens in the, you know, Gregorian calendar. So I can put it in my my planner or, or my diary or or whatever the word is that you use if depending on what side of the Atlantic you are. Uh, I want to actually schedule them. And that, that's, that's a way of taking action towards the plan. So it's not necessarily a resolution, but I try to take action uh, on, on or around New Year's, this, in this case, Islamic New Year's, to also you know, think about what are the goals that I have for myself in my own personal uh, religious life, and then take some action at the same time to schedule them. And lastly, uh, this won't apply for all of the events, but, but you know, we're a community that loves to eat. Uh, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. And I have found over the years that in many different cultures and and um, communities, there are different foods. And for some reason, they're usually desserts, which probably says a lot about our eating habits. But nonetheless, uh, foods that go with these events. And one of them that comes from my own sort of uh, background, my, is, is sort of as an Egyptian-American, are, are white cookies. And I guess that would either be, you know, plain or sugared, you know, with white powdered sugar. But the idea is that the white cookie being a symbol, may your year be white, white being like a happy, you know, open, clean, pure uh, type of symbol. So, uh, and again, whether you want to do this or not is, 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 a, is a personal matter. But it's interesting, if you follow the cuisine in, in Muslim-majority cultures, there's a lot of these... Um, relationships between these special events, holidays, celebrations, and different foods and the symbol behind the foods. And that's also another way to revive and keep the events. Now, for me personally, because I most of the time I'm in, in the United States, uh, I try to hold to these things, even if they're like little cultural things, you know, for the children. I, I don't want the children to feel that, well, our events are not really honored and celebrated uh, the way other events are. No, we should honor and, you know, go all in, lights and you know, happiness and invite people over and things like that. You can, all of the things that I said, you can do that as a community. You can, you know, read these du'a as a community. Some people fast the last day and the first day together. They can break fast together. They can make istighfar together. They can pray tawbah together. Uh, and, you know, definitely can have cookies together. Of course, that's an easy one. But it's a way of remembering uh, and, and the symbolism. And these cultural expressions of our faith are very important and uh, something that we should, we should be very proud of. And it's, it's a natural human uh, experience that, that culture and language will express these values in various ways. Anyway, um, this, these are some thoughts, uh, background recommendations, reflections on New Year's. I hope it's beneficial. I wish everyone uh, a blessed year. 
for all of us and, and, and the wider community. May, may it be a year of greatness for all of us, inshallah. Take care.